Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. We switched it up on you. The full episode with Chuck and John will be out on Thursday night, John traveled to New Orleans for WrestleMania, was down there with a bunch of other people from my Twitter timeline, as it turns out, and also with the NBA season ending, uh, you know, this coming week and all the games and the matchups being up in the air, it made sense to wait for that all to be settled out. So the full episode will be back out on Thursday, which is how we did it, you know, for uh, most of the first three years of this program. But anyway, so uh, I don't know if that will stick the only way to make sure you get all the episodes is to subscribe, obviously. And while you're subscribing, write us a five-star iTunes review. Please haven't asked for those in a while. Uh, writing a five-star iTunes review is a free and simple way to support our show. It raises us in the iTunes rankings, whatever the algorithm is. It uh, makes them suggest our program to other people. So again... If you've been listening to our show, uh, maybe take the time to sign into your iTunes. I know it's a pain, and Big Brother is tracking every move you do. But sign in and give us an iTunes rating. Or if you want to go the next step and get access to exclusive bonus content and maybe get more in touch with me and John and Chuck through our Slack chat, you can get all of that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. We talk about it every episode. Thanks a huge amount to all of you who have already supported us. We're always looking for more people. If you sign up in the next couple of days, uh, we will be having the playoff pick'em challenge uh, with prizes. So you can get in on that if you sign up before the playoffs start. Obviously, so patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. And if you noticed, Nikola Miritich shaved his beard i don't want to say it was the targeted harrys.com ad that we mentioned him in but harrys.com slash fast break harrys they are so confident you are going to love their razors they will give you a free shaving kit to try it out a free trial shave kit i have used it it's how i got rid of the beard although the beard's kind of coming back it is a luxurious piece of equipment it's actually giant it makes me feel really fancy this shave kit they sent me and for the low low price of approximately two dollars per razor which is cheaper than you will pay they will send you new razors every month uh check it out just go to harrys.com slash fast break that code fast break will let you get that free trial set it's a 13 dollars value all you have to do is pay for shipping so treat yourself Men, I know a lot of you have to shave every day. You might as well be doing it in style and in comfort and with the best price. And that is harrys.com slash fastbreak. Once again, harrys.com slash fastbreak. My guest today is a writer and a podcaster. He 
co-hosts the Step Over Pod and creates process-inspired t-shirts for Step Over Tees. He has been a guest several times on Fast Break Breakfast before. Max Rappaport, how are you? Doing well. How's it going? Uh, really, really well. Uh, how are you? Uh, you're on the West Coast now, I think up in Seattle. What's uh, How did life take you there? How are you enjoying your NBA season up in the uh, NBA-less Seattle? Yeah, it's been it's been rough. Um, I mean, I love I love Seattle. It's been a great move. Um, definitely been hard living in a city that doesn't have an NBA team. Uh, also hard harder than I thought to follow religiously a team on the East Coast uh, from yeah. a specific time. I thought it would be really nice because, like, oh, you know, when I watch games, they're over at six thirty, and then I had the rest of my night. But like, a lot of games, I don't like. I'm not able to start watching until later, or I have to like watch the recap, like replay of it, or. The condensed version on uh, NBA League Pass has been a real game changer. Uh, being able to catch that after work, after I get off work, but um, in some ways it's been nice though. In in that sense, just because on the days where I'm not working or if it's a weekend game, like there was a game that started at 10 a.m. the other day on a Saturday, which is like yeah, awesome. Like just wake up, watch the game. You have the rest of the day ahead of you. So. So uh, since those Sixers games are starting so early, I assume you're just learning about uh, the Sixers by just looking at the numbers, right? You're just an analytics man now. No, no more, yes. no, no more eye test for Max. Only spreadsheets. <laughs> that's that's what I figured. Well, before we get we uh, we dive into the Sixers, tell me uh, you had any good West Coast breakfast? What what are, you, what are you eating for breakfast out there? Oh well, this morning I went to this um, this quaint coffee shop. Um, and, and bakery, uh, you don't, you probably not heard of it. Uh, Einstein bagels, um, you know, went there, went there this morning. That's a chain. Yeah. We have an Einstein's bagel uh, in Tennessee. I was, we have, I, I, was be, I was being sarcastic. Oh, but. I didn't even know. I, I like, like, I think there's one around here, so I didn't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, no, I, no, I uh, stepped on your joke. It's no, good. It's fine. It's um, <laughs> is my, like Michael spot, Michael Scott Sparrow, uh, joke, but, uh, <laughs> right, right. Had a, a bagel with, um, Aptly so. Uh, bagel with uh, jalapeno cream cheese is actually really good. It was a potato bagel, which I'd never had before, but it was really good. All right. Yeah, I think we have an Einstein's bagel in Nashville. I'm not even positive. There's one near my in-laws' house. I, I would house. think. Yeah. I would, I would think you have one. I'm, I'm not a bagel guy. I've, I've talked about this before with many people. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it, but I don't know if it's not, if I had to be introduced at a younger age or something. Maybe I've just never had the right bagel. I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine um, uh, Tennessee is not known for its its uh, bagels. No, no, it is not. Uh, I think part of me at a young age, like I see a bagel and it's like almost a donut, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a donut, and then I taste it and I'm really disappointed. So I think that's that's where that happens. Well, anyway, I want to get you on here because Sixers fever is taking over the world. Everyone is so excited. The Sixers have performed pretty much the wildest expectations of even the most diehard Sam Hinkie fans uh, having a great year. They haven't lost in forever. They've won 14 straight games. So what I want to know, Max, is why are Sixers fans throwing themselves a parade for achieving what is in essence an average Memphis Grizzlies season from like 2010 to 2017? I mean, I think, I think the difference, and I, I, you know, if you look at the season, they're going to win like 51, 52 games, most likely. Even that's more than I expected. But I think going into the season, most people thought somewhere around 500, which is absolutely not where you want to be in like long-term NBA terms. But um, I think there's a big difference between going from 10 wins to 28 wins to 
even if it had been 40, but in this case, 50. Um, and, and your two best players being a first and second year player, both under 25. Like, I think that just makes it different. Um, and maybe for the Grizzlies, like at the beginning of that span, um, uh, when Marcus all was still really young and, you know, there was hope around Rudy Gay and all that, like uh, maybe that's a different scenario, but you know, I, I get what you're saying about, uh, preemptively throwing a parade. I, I think part of it too, is that they've won what 14 straight now, Oh yeah. uh, Maybe going to make it 16 straight heading into the playoffs because they have a game against the Hawks and a game against the Bucks, which might be meaningless at the end of the season. Uh, I think there's just a lot of excitement about where they're at right now. Um, Simmons and Embiid, and I think people just see next year and and the year after as like kind of sky's the limit, especially with the cap space they have and Bolts hopefully turning into. I mean, he's been pretty decent since coming back, but being more of a contributor than he's been, I think it's like. The trajectory—they're at the bottom of what you hope is an upward curve, and it's—they're it, already pretty high up. I mean, they're third in the East. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the future is incredibly bright, and I am all for jubilation of a fan base. You know, being excited—we have a young team, we're winning a bunch of games, we're on a great winning streak. However, like when say the Atlanta Hawks win fifty games in a season, or the Pacers. I don't see any Hawks or Pacers fans being like, yeah, we did it. And if you doubted us, you suck. So like guys, maybe not the parade. Maybe let us try to enjoy. Is that just, is that a built in defense mechanism from all the years of, of having to go through the process? Well, I think, I think the difference is that nobody said anything about the Hawks or Pacers because who gives a shit about the Hawks and Pacers, right? Like when, when those, sorry, I I always forget if I can curse on your podcast or not. All right, good. Um, you know, I think I think there's a certain we told you so factor to it um, that Hawks and Pacers fans, when those teams, you know, especially the Hawks, like when they won 60 games or whatever, um, there's a little bit of that because it's like nobody thought they were going to do it. But it wasn't like when they were building around Al Horford and Paul Millsap and what and Jeff Teague, uh, even though that's not as sustainably as, as sustainable long term as building around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid people weren't shitting on it the way they were shitting on what the Sixers were doing. So I think there's a a certain, we told you so aspect to it that um, if nobody had had any like super hot takes about the Sixers rebuild, I don't think people would be like as uh, over the top about it now that they were like quote unquote proven right. But I think it's like in that context of, and I think you would admit, you know, the Grizzlies had a little bit of that uh, during you know, the, the height of their losing streak where like you started to get some national attention and like it really became a, a storyline that the the Grizzlies were, you know, atrocious and don't deserve to be in the NBA and Kentucky could be you know, all that <laughs> bullshit. Um, we had that for like three straight years and, and even in years where we weren't the worst team and the Grizzlies aren't the worst team in the league this year. It was like kind of un, at times unfair, it felt. Um, the Sixers were, you know, in that 10 win season, they were atrocious and they're bad the other two years too, but like, in neither of those years were they the worst team in the league, but they were treated like this abomination and affront to the game and all this stuff. So I think there was just like, imagine that two week grizzly stretch where like people were really honed in on how terrible the grizzlies were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but for three straight years and then it works. And then and when everyone told you it wasn't going to, well, and I feel like you, uh, what, you could probably I mean, understand where we're coming from. Again, I like, like I, I'm empathetic. I'm empathetic. I think, I think t- to most of it, where the Sixers difference being like you guys announced we're going to be bad for a while, even though obviously you, like you weren't the worst. And anyone, 
uh, we can ignore the people who are saying like, you know, like Duke could beat these teams. We're not, we're not talking to those people like that. That's, that's ridiculous. No, no one thinks that, but, but as far as, I don't know, the, the negativity around the bad team, uh, around being bad and losing a, a lot of that what was self-inflicted. And so I, I think, I think it's weird now. I guess not weird, but the problem that's bugging me. And again, I like, I, I try to joke about this. Like I'm not like super, upset or mad and i think the sixers are awesome my main issue is i love ben simmons i love joel Embiid, i love watching the sixers play but i I, but my excitement is getting infringed upon by like sixers fans preening and i'm like yeah oh yeah (laughs) you know like oh yeah i just want to sit back and enjoy this and like you guys are making it hard for me for hard for me to enjoy it like i don't say i don't see any pacers fans uh who their team was raked over the coals all offseason for the Paul George trade and like even Pacers fans who, you know, like there's a chance they play the Sixers in the first round who have been a massive surprise, a bigger surprise than the Sixers. Pacers fans aren't like, so I guess some are, but mainly they're just being like, Hey, this is really cool. Suck it, Paul George, but not so much like, Hey, all you bloggers suck it. Yeah. I, I get that too. Cause I think I had in mind the Pacers when I was trying to say, like, I think even if there had been some like people had doubted the team and, and that did to an extent happen. Like people thought the Sixers would win like mid thirties this year. I thought they'd win 37 games. They just won 50, 50 games for the first time in 17 years. But I think, I think the, the preening is, is about the overall look this worked versus like we're having such a better season than anyone expected. And I think for the for Pacers fans, there's probably a bit of like, I mean, I highly doubt that Pacers fans expected uh, Victor Oladipo to turn into what he's turned into this season, expected them to win as many games as they have to be in contention for home court advantage. Um, you know, so I think there's a part of it where it, – you know, for Sixers fans and for myself, it's like, yeah, it like getting a high draft pick. It was it was like frustrating along the way to have people tell you like this will never work. It's like really like getting high draft picks <laughs> and taking good players with it won't work. Like it was just so nonsense. The 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 argument against the process was just at times so nonsensical and so like obvious that it was about not liking the way it was done versus how effective it would be that it was just a frustrating conversation to have all over and over again. Um, and then when it eventually, of course, works when like, yeah, drafting good prospects t- who turn into good players will make your team good. Uh, there is a bit of like, you know, wanting to shove it in the face of people. Right. Who, and it was like so outward about it. I mean, yeah, you're right that people raked the Pacers over the coals for that trade. But like at the end of the day, people didn't care that much. That wasn't, you know, and, it was a, the, the 17th biggest storyline in the NBA last year. Yeah. And, and I definitely, I mean, I, I was one of those, I've been one of those when we've talked before and I don't, I'm not going to rehash it all, but like I, I was opposed to the process, but not like opposes in one. I think the NBA's rules are dumb. That's one thing. That's mm-hmm. its own story. So two, the, the Sixers embraced it, you know, because they were in their situation was, was unique like after giving up everything for Andrew Bynum and that just decimating the franchise and they decided let's let's go for this thing. My take was there's no guarantee this works and there's no guarantee going another way wouldn't also result in the same thing. And people can argue about that. Like my take was you could do like what the Trailblazers did. They never bottomed out and they still kept making the playoffs. And so t- to me personally, my opinion, my subjective opinion was I don't know why you choose to go down in the depths that they did with the process 
when there's no guarantee you'll get back on the, on the other side. But it doesn't matter anymore. You guys got back to the other side. Like, like you made it through. Uh, you have this really exciting, uh, fun team. So going into the playoffs this year, is the first-round matchup, whoever it might be, will that be any form of referendum on the process? Like if you do play like the Bucks or the Pacers or someone who uh, went about it a different way, like the Bucks who got their, you know, transformational talent, Giannis Antetokounmpo, with the, I think with the 17th pick, like they, they didn't go all the way in. So will you have to take any form of like further referendum on the process based on the first-round matchup? I mean, I wouldn't think so because the Sixers will be the the home like will have home court against whoever that is like as either as the three or the four. Um, so it's like, yeah, Milwaukee has Giannis, and that's like amazing. He's uh, if if they play that if they play the Bucks, and I'm hoping they don't actually. If they play the Bucks in that really? series, Giannis is the best player on the on the court. So like, obviously that that worked out incredibly well for them. But I think. If anything, it's the opposite, which is like they have the best player of of the two teams, and somehow the Sixers are better uh, because they're deeper. Honestly, I mean they they have Dario Saric, they have Ben Simmons, who's better than any you know player not named Giannis and Tedekumpo on that team. So you know, I think if anything, it it goes to show you like yeah, you can like really luck out and absolutely absolutely maximize like the most you could possibly expect with a late lottery or early uh, or mid-teens pick, which is Giannis, and like still that's not always enough like that and that team's done pretty well in the draft like they got Malcolm Brogdon I like Jabari Parker uh Middleton's been good but like you know I think that part part of that's coaching also I mean a team's switched coaches in the middle of the year and has underperformed but if anything I would think it, it shows like wow the Sixers are in year one of like actually being good and look at how deep and talented they are on the top end Oh, and also, versus Milwaukee. and also comparing those two teams, like the the Sixers' future is so much brighter and set up so much better. The, the, the Milwaukee frustration, as again an outsider, just you know a regular, a, a random NBA league pass junkie, it's a whole different story. Like, why aren't they better? Why didn't their franchise like take care of them more with all like the, the exciting good players they have? But so you're scared of Milwaukee a little bit just just because of Giannis? Is there any other reason? Because from my perspective, that would be like that's that seems choice matchup for the Sixers, like. I'm not scared of Milwaukee at all. I guess, uh, you know, between it's right at this point, assuming the Sixers stay three, it's going to be Miami, Milwaukee, or maybe the have the Wizards have like an outside shot of, of jumping up, but probably won't. So if you're looking at Miami and the Bucks, for whatever reason, Miami's given the Sixers a lot of trouble the last few years. Um, and, and even this year in, in the games they played, they split, but Miami really had their number. And that was like at a time when the Sixers, maybe a month ago or a month and a half ago, at a time when the Sixers were playing really good ball and Miami just came into Philly and kicked their ass. Uh, and there's just something about Dwayne Wade that I just really don't like. Yeah. Uh, there's something about about Dwayne Wade averaging like 18 points per game in the playoffs and the Sixers losing in the first round that would just feel so much worse than losing to Giannis. Like if, <laughs> if they lose to the Bucks, it's because Giannis, you know, was – unreal and put up like 40 10 and 10 in the series and i can live with that i don't think i can live with like hassan whiteside kelly olenic and Dwayne wade beating the Sixers. Oh, that's gonna be tough no that would be yeah that would be awkward if uh, if, uh, if hassan whiteside gets the last word that's uh that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be a yeah. rough a rough off season um so so one of the one of the big stories of the nba this year is obviously the rookie of the year race i like you uh 
am seeing more West Coast games because of, of my schedule. Just just being in uh, in Central Time, I don't see as many Sixers games. So I feel like I've seen Donovan Mitchell play at least three times more than Ben Simmons. So like I, I feel biased towards Donovan Mitchell, and then I read all this information where again I'm trying to parse out. I'm trying to parse out who's being serious, who's being tongue in cheek between like people screaming. It's obviously Ben Simmons. So like I, I like I go there. I'm like, okay, fine. I, like I can't watch all the games, so I, I like I try to take uh, people's opinions. But then I, I go through. I'm like, well, maybe they're being tongue in cheek. Maybe it is a question. So in my mind, again, seeing Donovan Mitchell probably three three more times. I think it's probably Ben Simmons, but it's a very very tight narrow race. I haven't gotten anyone who's a Sixers fan who thinks it's a narrow race. What's your opinion on the Rookie of the Year? I think it's actually pretty narrow. Like, I think Ben Simmons should win it just because he's put up such historic numbers. And, like, I think Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell's been way better than, um, not even than I thought he was. Obviously, that's true. But even, like, watching him in the beginning of the year, I kind of thought it would run out at some point, And it hasn't. He's gotten better and is clearly one of the best young players in the league. I, I think if you're looking at it, like, if I was rating their their seasons out of a hundred, um, you know Ben Simmons might be a ninety four, and Donovan Mitchell's like an eighty nine or something. Like I, I think it's close, and then everyone else is like sixty something and below. Yeah, I, I think it's like I, I think he should get some first place votes. I think it should be close, um, but I, I just think what Simmons has done. I mean, the they're two different players, but I think what Simmons has done um, on both sides of the floor too. Like his defensive numbers have been. Uh, other than Embiid, he's the best defender on the team. His advanced numbers are like off the charts defensively. And I, I you know, every once in a while, I'll see someone post one of those, um, you know, graphs that show like where rookies stand uh, in terms of like offensive value added and defensive value added. And, you know, there are a lot of players like Mitchell, and Mitchell's on the far end of this um, in terms of like offensive value added. Um, who are like pretty efficient in that sense and adding a lot of value. Not a lot of guys doing it defensively. Maybe like three or four are above the you know Mendoza line there, and Ben Simmons is like off the off the graph. Like and and basically where he is offensively, where Donovan Mitchell is. I think that's like the the difference maker. And then you even look and it's like, you know, I'm I, I think a lot of Sixers fans point to like, well, you know, Mitchell's shooting forty four percent and you know thirty four percent from three or whatever. I don't really care about that. Like he's gotten more efficient as the season's gone along. Um, he's scoring almost 21 points per game as a rookie on a team that needs scoring and, and, you know, lets him shoot 17 times a game. So like his efficiency is good enough, uh, especially for a rookie. He's also shooting seven threes a game. So that'll obviously affect it. Um, but then you look at Ben Simmons and it's like, you know, he's only taking 12 shots a game and he's shooting 55% and he's averaging 16, eight and eight with not that many turnovers, especially recently. Um, he's basically not turning the ball over at all. And I just think, like, the fact that he's, as a rookie, like, a game manager on a team that, without Embiid, has still won, you know, 14 straight games and is on pace for a three-seed. And, you know, it's... Like, I, I, you know, when people have made the argument in the past about, like, well, Malcolm Brogdon's on a playoff team, whatever, like, that doesn't really matter to me. But if a guy is, like, a top two or three player on a really good playoff team as a rookie, I do think that matters. Yeah. And, well, that's also what the the 
jazz fans point to like he's he's the leading scorer mitchell on a playoff team which which hasn't which is very rare and it's all almost like mm-hmm. all hall of famers outside of i think chuck person is also on that list for uh back in the pacers like i think ben simmons is, is the better player right now like for me again as a fan i'm like that guy's 610 and can guard every position and it's crazy like and he's, and he's like a point guard so that's like super cool but almost some part of me has like i also favor some part of like the the non numbers narrative of Donovan Mitchell, and again, it, it's my bias of having watched him play more, and I've seen him do like fourth quarter things where he's 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 been bad the first three quarters, mm-hmm. and then then he takes over the games. And again, I can't quantify that. I haven't watched all the Sixers games, so I don't know. So obviously, I, I don't have a vote, so I don't have to get worked up about it or uh, worry that I'm wrong. I'm leaning like yes, it should probably be be Ben Simmons, but I'm I'm just so also blown away. And there's some of that bias. There's like short man bias where we favor the shorter NBA players because because we ourselves as human beings are shorter, <laughs> and we're like that guy's my height, and he's doing these incredible things. Like I'll never be six ten. Uh, one thing, uh, one thing though, the, the only objection I have to the Ben Simmons debate, and it's not that he's like this is his second year in the league. That's fine. However. It seemed last year he was healthy at the end of the year and they just chose not to play him. Do you think they held him out last year purely for the PR win to get a rookie of the year this year? You know, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, I doubt it would have been, if, if it did happen, I doubt it would have been entirely for, I, I don't think it would have been the team deciding we're going to set him out for the PR win. I think if anything, it would have been Ben Simmons people thinking that because um, that does honestly make a pretty big difference. If it's the difference between playing like six games at the end of the season in April when the team's out of the playoff race uh, and and maintaining and, you know, losing your rookie of the year eligibility. And for him, there was also like, I think it was a $5 million bonus for Nike if he won rookie of the year, yeah, which is like pretty talking. substantial. Like yeah. if, I'm, if I'm Ben Simmons, I'm not playing those last six games and, and right. risking that knowing I have a pretty good shot of it at the next year. So that, that said, I don't know that that's the case, but I, I would think the team would have every you know reason to play him, especially knowing they're going to get another high pick and kind of seeing this year as a more competitive year and not like a tank year where the marketing is all going to be built around rookie of the year. Like honestly in Philly, you haven't even really heard that much. The focus has been much more on the team than it was like in the MCW year. That was all, you know, anyone talked about was yeah. him being the rookie of the year because that's all we had. I got, I got to um, say, so, Max, I didn't know about this five million dollar bonus. That was like a Perry Mason Colombo moment for me. That was the motive. I'm now convinced they most, <laughs> he most definitely uh, chose not to play games last year to to bank a cool five. If he, million. Yeah, if you if he was healthy, definitely. Yeah, like if I and if I'm him, I don't blame him. Like, or if I, you know, being reasonable, I'm not blaming him for that. Well, uh, right. so 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 now the team is set up again, going forward to the playoffs. See, even I feel like they have a really good shot. I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like the Eastern Conference playoffs are wide open, like completely wide open. I, I favor LeBron, but I think I don't know. Obviously, the Raptors have had their playoff struggles. The Celtics are missing Kyrie. Uh, I think it's wide open. What are your expectations, or what are your most realistic dreams for this postseason? You know, I don't even know what to think because I, I, you know, about a month ago before they went on this, this tear, I was kind of thinking like, you know, they had maybe a 40 or 35% chance of winning their first round series. This is back when they were like a six or seven seed thinking you'd play the, um, the Cavs or the Celtics in the first round. And, you know, everything's changed and it's like, I, I feel like I haven't fully caught up to it yet. Like, you know, if I was, if I was an outside observer, I'd look at this team like, well, they've won 14 straight, um, 
they're third in the East. They're going to play, you know, a Miami team or a Bucks team that have, you know, been pretty meh uh, and even recently haven't been great. And, and go, they've done a lot of that without Embiid at the end of the season, um, and he should be back for the first round. Ben Simmons has gotten better. Uh, J.J. Reddick's having his best season ever and, you know, has been great for them. Like, I, if I was being objective, I'd probably go like, well, I think they're going to get out of the first round. I'm pretty confident of that. And, you know, then in the second round, if they're playing, if they get that three seed in the second round, you're playing Boston or, you know, if one of those teams beats Boston, you're playing a Boston team without Kyrie Irving. It's like, if I'm being objective, I, I don't think it's that crazy that they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think <laughs> yeah. at that point, they, I think Toronto's better than them, absolutely. I think the Cavs aren't necessarily better than them right now, but if, if it's those two teams meeting in um, in the Conference Finals, I I think the Cavs win that, win that series. Um, but I, I think them getting to the Conference Finals is not crazy at all. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be wide open. I, I really think I was kind of with you thinking they would lose their first round series. And now it looks like the match. It, it all depends on the matchup. I can see the Sixers losing like uh, not so much to the Bucks, but like the heat. That seems like I don't know. The heat are just scary. And Dude, weird. there's something about it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't like people ask me, really? You know, you think the heat are like whatever. And um, and I, I guess I said before, I'm afraid of the Bucks. I'm afraid of both, honestly. But I think I'm afraid I'd much rather play the wizards than either of those two teams. Um, but something about the, the heat just like scares the shit out of me. I don't know why. And on paper, they're not good. And right. I guess it's just like the veteraniness and Spolstra and, and I'm, whatever. I'm curious to see how the Sixers offense translates to the postseason. Like if things do slow down and bog down and obviously Miami's a really good defensive team and like, I don't know if it's all half court, if teams are game planning, they're finally getting a chance to like, you have Spolstra deciding how we're going to stop Ben Simmons or figure out a way to focus on his lack of shooting. Um, he has to, if he has to go to the line a lot, like it, it could get tight. And again, obviously we, we even mentioned Joel Embiid, you know, like assuming Joel Embiid is back from, from the orbital injury. Is that the word? Do you know, is he, is he expected to be healthy for the first round? So here's my take on it. So he had the surgery, about a week ago now, um, maybe a little under a week. I think it was last Sunday. And at that point, they didn't put a timetable on it. Um, you know, I, I, since then, they've come out with they came out with something yesterday that, or two days ago, or three days ago, or something that basically said like he's doing well. We're uh, like really <laughs> the doctor's really pleased with it, which kind of surprised me because in the past they would say like you know, basically just like no information, um, in, unless the person's like back or something changes and nothing really, the release wasn't really anything. It was just saying like, still good. We're still on, on pace <laughs> for something. Um, which kind of made me think like they think he's going to be back. Cause I just don't know why they would set that expectation, like why they would put that out there. Um, if they didn't feel that way. Um, and has been at the last couple ga- home games on this, like, on the court at court side, his face looks pretty normal. Um, and, and they've, they've said things like, you know, this is going to be more of a pain tolerance thing. The doctors, you know, as, as soon as they clear him medically, then it's really just a, a question of like what he can tolerate pain wise. I, I, I feel like all those things combined. Um, and Brett Brown has said some things along the lines of like, you know, towards the end of the season has said, you know, we just got to finish the regular season strong and, you know, 
just hold like this is before they got the home court before they basically locked up home, home court advantage saying like we're just going to shoot for home court advantage during the regular season and like wait for Embiid to come back which just made me think the plan is to bring him back if not game one like game two or three of the playoffs you guys are cutting it close I know I know my uh best Grizzlies team of my lifetime was derailed by a broken face Mike Conley was terrible he was out for, what, was, what was he out for like he was eight hours he, or he something. Was, no, he was, was like, he was out for like two weeks, and and it was still not enough. Like, there's all these stories, like when they were playing the Warriors and they lost, about how like he vomited after every game, and doctors being like, he probably shouldn't be playing because his also was like, your face is still healing. You're probably not okay. But yeah, he came back weirdly uh, quickly. But he he uh, he missed like the first series. It was like six games against the uh, Blazers back then. Speaking of the Grizzlies, they are terrible this year. Uh, we have a lottery pick for the first time in, in eight or nine years. Uh, and uh, we host, Fast Break Breakfast hosts watch parties in Nashville for the Grizzlies. So we're going to be hosting uh, a lottery party in Nashville. And the Sixers are the kings of the lottery party. They have those giant things in whatever that big facility is in Philadelphia with thousands and thousands of people. Uh, you, I know you've been to those. Um, do you have any advice for me for throwing my very first lottery party that will be uh, very uh, smallly attended, I'm sure? Uh, I think the biggest thing, and this is more Spike Askin and Mike Levin's territory from the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast because it's their event, but uh, I think weird T-shirts is is the number one. I think that's really <laughs> what, what set them over the top is they had those. Um, I think the shirts just said hinky in all white letters. <laughs> they were black shirts. It was like everyone who went basically had to wear a shirt um, and there was a, a really funny picture from the first year of it, which I think it was like 60 people who showed up to the first one. And in recent years, it's been like 3000, but that first <laughs> one, it was just like 60 hinky weirdos wearing matching black shirts that just had hinky across the front. I, if you have anything like that, um, I think the problem, the problem of- with the Grizzlies is we have, we have no rallying cry. We have no branding. Like we, I, I bet we could get a bunch of fire Wallace shirts, maybe like, uh, Chris Wallace out. I don't know. I got, we, we got to come up with some kind of branding to make it uh something we can rally around our, our, our is own there, cult is hero. There, well, for us, it was like, this is, uh, I guess the tank for Wiggins year was our first rebuild year. Our first, our first tank year right. was the year Wiggins was coming out. And I think everyone was just so pumped about cool. him. D- dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, what is the the? There isn't. I guess there's not really Aiden because you have Mar- Marcus All and he's old, but like still the best player on the team by far and has been there forever. So yeah, there's like no consensus. You know, I mean, there is like it's going to be Aiden probably if most people get it, but then there's some of the the Doncic and I don't know. Like I'm gonna, I'm going to be happy with anybody. I think. Yeah. Is there like a temperature gauge you could give me? Like, or is there a guy people talk about a lot or I think um, most Grizzlies fans want Doncic because it seems like the ideal scenario for a Grizzlies is an immediate rebound. Mark's healthy, Mike's healthy, and then we and then we added a wing, an elite wing who hopefully is worst case scenario like an Evan Fournier or uh Bogdan Bogdanovich year yeah. one. And you're like, that's great. That that makes the Grizzlies good again and relevant, and maybe that'll be fine. So I think most people are onto that at least in the circles I run in or, or my Twitter timeline seems to be saying that I don't know anything about the bigs. Everything else is like, well, then we can just get a big and then we try to work it out for the next few years. So 
is, is there a thought, uh, you know, I know, I know the para news just came out, um, earlier today. Is yes. there a thought too, that like, you can't really do a, a like full on rebuild. Like it needs to be a quick rebound because if it's too long, I don't knows what think happens anyone, with the team? when you say a full on, a, you mean a full on rebuild, like try to trade Mike and Mark. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't think that'll ever happen. I mean, with para staying on, he's not going to get rid of Chris Wallace. We assume he's been so comfortable with that. I don't, Again, and this is where it comes to my personal subjective opinion. I don't really like teardowns, like necessarily, because I, I see the teams like the Timberwolves who still might not make the playoffs this season, despite having everything go right for them. You know, getting getting Carl Anthony Towns, like winning that lottery, getting Jimmy Butler, and like they still might miss the playoffs. So that that again goes back to my personal beliefs. Like I'm not huge into like full teardowns and my complete mistrust of this front office right now. Like I don't want to. If I have Mike Conley, Mark Gasol, like who are kind of good. I mean, Mike Conley, I'm more worried about his injuries. Gasol, I assume he can coast at like a Pau Gasol level for many, many more years. And I'm like, fine, let's just keep him on the team. So like, I no, I think there's almost no chance they tear down. And personally, I'm, I'm like not opposed to it. I'm still like, eh, the process can be for other people. I'll, uh, I'll stick with like the whatever. One in the hand is better than two in the bush. Is that the saying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, Max, thanks for uh, thanks for putting up with me, uh, listening to my questions. If you guys make it to the finals or even the Eastern Conference finals, you got to get like Hollis Thompson to come out, do like a national anthem or something. Get the team, <laughs> you know, like he he uh, he rapped one time. There is a there's a um, a really funny YouTube video that's just like audio only. But he uh, I think, yeah, it was Hollis Thompson. He rapped. Uh, about Henry Sims, also former Sixer oh, yeah. and also Classic. former Georgetown alum, <laughs> uh, who was running for class president. So it was like Hollis Thompson's rap about uh, why Henry, why Henry Sims should be the class president for Georgetown. So he could at very <laughs> least rap the national anthem and then hit forty percent of his threes if we give him a basketball and let him take some. That'd be great. You should, uh, yeah, definitely add him to a playoff roster just for the, just for the, I, I think he's in Lithuania, like the Kendrick Perkins, no. the Kendrick Perkins playoff boost. Yeah. yeah. Like grab him. You know, I don't know if anybody else is around. Uh, Stauskas is on a team sort of. I hear Brandon Davies was a great teammate. Uh, I, I've Kendrick also level, always heard Kendrick that. Perkins level teammate. <laughs> That's true. All right, Max, you got anything to plug or anything? Uh, just the t-shirts and the, and the podcast. I, I think you mentioned on the front end, but, uh, Step Over Podcast. That's my Sixers podcast with Jim Adair. Uh, about weekly, sometimes less than that, but weekly or bi-weekly. Uh, also, Step Over Tees, which is our t-shirt site. Uh, we sell weird Sixers shirts, so if you're not a Sixers fan, you're probably not going to be too interested, but if you are and you're listening to this, uh, check us out. We're on Public, and if you just Google uh, Step Over Tees, you'll find it for sure. That sounds great. I wish nothing but the best for the Sixers. I like all the players. I'm just tired of being told I suck. Because I'm pointing out like like Jared Bayless, what, what a mediocre signing, and then I'll get yeah, like ass. I'm like I'm like some people don't understand Wait, the who, process. Who from Sixers suck. Twitter is adding you to uh, getting mad? Someone at you with for a blue out. check mark like called me out for saying the Jared Bayless signing was a mediocre signing. Just saying. Ugh. What was this this year? <laughs> no, it was like when it happened. It was like it was like ju- oh, it was okay. like July of 2016. I'm like Jared Bayless racing towards mediocrity. And, uh, <laughs> and we, well, you were wrong about the process, but you were right about Jared Bayless. So that's right. I'll give you that. I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. All right, Max. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too.
All right. Thanks to Max for coming on. Always a good guest. Uh, definitely tolerated my little jabs. Make sure you check out his T-shirts at Step Over Tees and listen to his Sixers podcast, The Step Over Pod. We are definitely going to have a lottery party. That's May 15th in Nashville. Uh, maybe make it a fast break breakfast listener appreciation lottery party. doesn't have to be a Grizzlies thing. I'm pretty sure that Grizzlies will uh, sponsor it for us, though, uh, get us some drink specials, and we'll be able to give away our uh, Grizzlies gear. We have uh, still some good stuff from the uh, watch parties, the depressing, depressing watch parties. We still have a lot of good prizes to give away. So, again, uh, mark your calendar, May 15th, uh, and maybe make plans to come to Nashville and be with us. And if you have any good ideas for a slogan or a T-shirt uh, to make it a little more of a uh, some of that branding, that social media branding, and for us to have a good time doing that down for Doncic. Let's go. All right. If you want to support our program, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fair break, break, man. You understand?